block sports, big 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 block sports. Welcome back. New episode this week. We are in episode 11. Thank you guys for joining us again for another week of NFL action, opinions, all of those great things that you enjoy here at the Big Block Sports Podcast. Again, my name is Malcolm A. I want to thank you guys again for joining us for episode 11. We are getting ready for week 12. Week 11 had its fair share of wild scores, surprises. I'll do a quick little recap on week 11, I have some ideas and thoughts about week 12. And then, of course, as I do every episode, A, I will set it off and give you guys some opinion-based uh, content, some of my thoughts, some of my personal feelings about what's going on in today's NFL. If you're looking for week 12 picks, predictions, analysis, breakdown, the next episode B will take you there. So go ahead and hang out here for the next couple of minutes, and then episode B will start playing right after this one on whatever platform you're on. Again, if you're listening, I'm sorry, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you hit that notification bell. If you're on Spotify or any of the other audio platforms, again, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. I I already have my bye week, so I can't really miss any more episodes. Uh, so look forward to new episodes every week in the NFL season. The playoffs are getting closer and closer and closer. The pitcher is getting smaller and smaller. So we're uh, ramping up to some really exciting NFL action coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So let's go back. Let's just recap a little bit about week 11. I know it's uh, it's it's Thursday. I'm actually doing this Thanksgiving morning because uh, whatever, the week got crazy. So Let's talk about the big game last week, Chiefs and Cowboys. Uh, I thought the game was supposed to be probably more than it actually turned out to be. Never had a chance to really get off of the ground. You could say first Amari Cooper down actually for several games, it looks like now, based on a, a positive COVID test. And then CeeDee Lamb went out early with a concussion. And it just wasn't the same offense after that with the Cowboys, even though that they were down two of their premier wide receivers, they still uh, chose to throw the ball in a very tight foot, tightly matched game. And um, it just didn't work out. I was actually watching first things first a little bit earlier before I started recording this episode. And there was a stat that Eric Mangini uh, was uh, explaining during his little segment where the Cowboys are something like, uh, it was like six and 19 or like five and 20 or something when Dak throws the ball 40 or more times. And when they had between 25 or uh, 30 rushing attempts, their win percentage was in the 80 percentage. So obviously the Cowboys need to stick to what helps Dak, what helps their offense move, what helps that offensive line. And that's the running game. That's also why I'm not really um, entirely to give up on the Cowboys just yet. I mean, they are the Cowboys, so it's pretty easy to give up on them. But 
I think this see that that game is, is not really an indication of who they are as a team, given the talent that they were missing. And I, I want to say the same thing about the Chiefs. I'm not really ready to crown the Chiefs that they're back. And, you know, we've seen that. I got my swagger back. Oh, um, little segment they've been uh, running for the last couple of weeks here as they beat injured teams in like the Giants and shit. So, <laughs> um, so I'm not, I, I don't think that game really told us anything because the, the, the Cowboys were down. And the Chiefs just happened to take advantage of a team that was limping. And I kind of felt the same way about the 49ers and the Rams, maybe even the 49ers and the Jaguars. You know, I think that the Rams came in uh, hampered and we jumped on them. You know, we didn't give them the opportunity. So there are some teams, though, that I am, I am, you know, I do feel like are starting to show their their true colors. And this one is a team that I, I did actually pick to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Um, and from my perspective, they are becoming the new Panthers, the new Broncos, right? Both of those teams ran off to 3-0 and uh, starts and then proceeded to lose three, four in a row. So Buffalo ran to one of the top spots in the AFC and now they find themselves at 6-4. and four. They continue to struggle to run the ball. I know a lot of times what happens with the new quarterback getting the big contract, it almost feels like they're going out of their way to throw the ball. And I know that their offense was already Josh Allen heavy. I just think that they're not getting the consistent play that they need from the tight end position, from the slot position, meaning Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. I think outside they have some dynamic weapons, but without the people in the middle of the field to occupy the secondary, it's really hard for them to get open. They just kind of bracket Diggs and Sanders and uh, don't worry about the rest of the offense. The more they can run the ball, and not just Josh Allen runs, because I think that's also a dynamic piece they might not be taking full advantage of. Um, but they, they find themselves in a bit of a hole now, and the games are only going to continue to get harder. Moving on to the Eagles and the Saints. You checked out my last week pick, last week's pick, picks episode. I talked about the Eagles. I said either they win by 40 or they lose by 40. But I did pick them to win. And if you look at the score, they actually scored 40. So I was pretty accurate with my assessment of the Eagles. Let's see what they do next week. Uh, so you got to check out my picks episode. For the analysis on that game overall uh, this week was a much better week for me pick wise not saying much i think i probably picked like three or four games right last week <laughs> last last week um but i did miss on the titans pick so i'm sure a lot of people missed on the titans pick but they're still eight and three they're still the number one seed they still have the best record in the division they are banged up, but at this point in the season, you know, who who isn't banged up, right? So uh just some just just a quick little recap on last week's games there. But what I want to talk about this episode, and usually I save my analysis per se for episode B when it comes to next week, right? Week 12. Uh, actually, it's starting today, right? We have some Thanksgiving games later on today. 
Um, but usually I save that for episode B. But I, I thought there were just some interesting storylines that would make some great content for this episode without necessarily giving away my picks, right? So you still have to check out episode B if you want to know who I think will win the game. But right now, I just want to talk about, um, you know, some things in, in week 12 that we should be looking forward to. And then in episode B, we can just go right back into our normal scenario of making uh, risky bets and believing in teams we had no business believing in, which is what I seem to do every week. But I'm seeing a few storylines, and I'll start with the Thanksgiving games today, which uh, are, is, is always a great tradition, uh, especially in my household. We, we, we eat a bunch of food, we watch a bunch of football, and we just do family things. It's a great time. Thanksgiving games coming up, Detroit versus Chicago. You're not saying who is going to win. You're going to have to check out episode B if you want to know my thoughts on that. But I will say, if the Bears lose, and I don't want to say if, it's always it's possible they're going to do it anyway. I just think it'll be a little harder if the Bears win. But if the Bears lose, they will fire Matt Nagy. If they lose a nationally televised game like this, uh, originally, there was a thought that it might be the backup, but it does sound like Goff is going to play with an injured oblique, uh, depending on how that goes. I still think either way with either quarterback, if the Bears lose, it'll be a tough sell for anyone to explain why they're keeping him on board. So look out for that game. The next game, two games, actually, I think are a great opportunity for two teams the Cowboys and the Bills, to have a bit of redemption. And they're playing teams that are just just good enough for them to make it seem like this is a turnaround. This is a turning point, right? So the Cowboys facing a floundering Las Vegas team and then Buffalo facing a Saints team missing some key weapons. Two great opportunities for Buffalo and the Cowboys to bounce back into a, a semblance of a turnaround, right? I, I still think, again, the Raiders are a team who, I said it, uh, no, that was that was Instagram. We, somebody, I was talking with um, Fidel from the East West uh, Sports Podcast about the Raiders game because he's a huge Raiders fan. And I told him Gruden's aura of, you know, coach, right? For whatever reason, the team was, was playing well, right? But I think his aura... Um, has kind of worn off. And now the team is trying to find their identity. They're trying to figure out, well, you know, we were so much of this, this Chucky, you know, aggressive mindset kind of team. Now, who are they since John Gruden is no longer there, since they, they lost rugs in that tragic situation? They lost, I don't say Arnett, like he was a huge piece of the team, but he was a part of the team, right? These are guys you have to think about outside of the three, four hours that we see these players on Sunday. They're spending hours and hours, not only as teammates and professional athletes on the field, but as friends and, and com comrades, right, off the field and missing out on somebody, regardless of how much of an impact they had to the team on the field. Um, they, I, I still feel like it impacts the team off the field, which subsequently carries over to the field. So, Two great opportunities for two teams to bounce back. Uh, 
Uh, I think next week, as we get into the Sunday games, Indianapolis, my most dangerous 0-2 team, if you go back and check out that episode, I did pick Indy as the team who started 0-2 to sort of make a run at it, right, based on where the division that they play in, the strength of schedule, the consistency of their team. And I think Jonathan Taylor, by far, is is showing that he is one of, if not the best back um, in the NFL right now. So they get another big test versus TB12. And then another big game on Sunday is uh, possibly, you know, an AFC championship preview. Possibly, you know, if things continue to kind of trend the way that they are. And that would be Tennessee versus the New England Patriots. We have the history between Vrabel, Vrabel. We have the history between Mike Vrabel and we have Bill Belichick, right? Former player under Bill, now a coach. Mac Jones continues to go through his paces as a rookie. And it's moments like this, right? It's, it's games like this in Mac Jones' legacy where he has the opportunity to really cement. Well, what will he be? You know, will he be that next franchise savior or will he just be, you know, another guy um, that they brought in or another rookie that they brought in like a Jared Stidham who might have shown some initial promise and then didn't really have anything? Or will he be traded away like Jimmy G? You know, like what 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 will be Mac Jones legacy at the end of it? It's going to be games like this where people will really start to put him in certain categories. If he goes out and and, um, you know, lays an egg, then t- uh, play people will begin to temper their expectations. If he goes out and plays incredible, you know, the sky's the limit. He's already continuing to gain uh, traction for the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I think this game will be important for that. There is a chance for the Los Angeles Rams to, again, jump right back into uh, the conversation when it comes to the top seeds in the NFC by beating a limping Packers team. And when I say limping Packers team, I really just mean Aaron Rodgers and his toe. <laughs> and the the stories that came out, it, it was shared with me by a friend of mine saying that he <laughs> he has COVID toe, um, which was pretty hilarious to me. And the, the whole media circus around his toe and him taking his toe out and showing everybody that it's broken. It's just, it's like, when will the trolling stop with Aaron Rodgers? Like, he's he he is the face of your franchise. He's the face of professional organization in the NFL. And he's just out here like a 15-year-old kid. Like, what is this guy doing? And then finally, we have a, a game on Sunday with two NFC, and I'll call them two NFC pretenders right now. You know, they want to show that they are contenders. And yes, I'm talking about my own squad you see i'm representing the squad and and i'll be totally honest right i think i think we have been pretending that it's 2019 for far far too it's been two seasons now that we've been talking about this revenge 2019 tour and i think the further away we can distance ourselves from that and create our own identity be our own team the better it will be, not just for this season, but I just think for the long run overall. I think the 2019 season was a great season, but they got to let that go, you know. So this weekend versus the Vikings is a great opportunity for them to do that, to no longer be pretending that it's 2019 and, and then show if we're contenders, right? That we'll be able to show that, 
hey, either we're contenders in the NFC, we'll be at six at five in that point. And I want to say that'll slide us into a six or seven seed with a victory over the Vikings. Or we'll lose and we'll just continue to be pretenders, talking about 2019 and Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, all that stuff that they just keep going on and on about that has nothing to do with what's happening this season. So you got to check out the next episode uh, if you want to know who I'm picking in that game. It shouldn't be much of a it shouldn't be much of a stretch here, but stay tuned. And speaking of the 49ers, um, I want to at this point in the episode, like we do every week, I want to go ahead and I want to set it off. So gather around, you know what I'm saying? Grab your grab your coffee. Uh, we did our little recap. We did a a little preview of next week's games, but I really want to get into the heart of this episode. And I want to set it off this week in talking about something that that my team, my team, the 49ers, is very familiar with. And I honestly think we're on the cutting edge of something great. And I don't think it's entirely new. I mean, I certainly think it's it's an evolution of the game that we're seeing I don't think the pieces of the puzzle that we're putting together are new, but I do think the way that we're organizing it, the way that it's game plan, I think it's definitely something that's top notch. It's something that I like to talk about. And what I'm really saying is positions are overrated. And what do I mean by that? Positions in the NFL, you're a wide receiver, you're a running back, you're a tight end, you're a defensive back, you're a linebacker. It's becoming overrated in so many ways. And I don't want to say overrated like I'm crabbing about them. They have to be able to categorize these players. But I think from a game planning perspective, positions are overrated. I think that's what we've developed offensively and defensively. So if you're if you're a fan of an NFL team, if you're an NFL up-and-comer, if you're a coordinator, if you're a play designer, whatever you are pertaining to the NFL game, listen up. Lend me your ear. Positions are overrated, right? I think of the 2014 season, the Patriots uh, versus the Ravens. They used a unique set of formations to confuse the Ravens. So we're again, we're not really the first to kind of push the envelope. Um, Bill Belichick sort of messed with who's eligible, who's not eligible. And he sort of understood, right? Like, again, in so many ways that positions are overrated. I think we've seen those players come up in the league who don't have a position and not in a negative way, right? Like not like a tweener where you can't figure out where to put him, but in a way where it's hard to categorize him in a position. I think you think of Juice, they called him an offensive weapon when he came over from the Ravens and he's kind of been that. But I think if this, if we look at the history of the NFL, the, the, the positionless player, you could say, is not new, right? I think of a player like Marshall Falk. For sure, he's a running back, but Marshall could have led the league in in receiving if he played wide receiver. I I think of I think I'm pretty confident in that assessment. I think of Deion Sanders when they would put him on offense, right? Not as a defender, because for sure Deion, cornerback to the core, locked down, Hall of Famer, but on offense. He just needed the ball, and the Cowboys did that in a number of ways. They had him taken. They direct snapped it to him. 
reverses. They handed the ball off to him. They threw him the ball, screens, all sorts of ways. He just needed the ball. So I think the 49ers, and there's a couple of other teams that have sprinkled about, but I think I think the 49ers have really taken it to a new level, not just on offense, you know, but also defensively, you know, there's some evolution there. You look at our middle linebackers, uh, weak side and middle linebacker, Aziz Alshire, 6'2", 230, right? Fred Warner, 6'3", 230, a former college DB. We got a, we got Jarquiski, Jarquiski, Tart. I'm just call him Tart. Uh, he's, a, you know, what you might call a strong safety at 6'1", 215, but you know, is he really, you know, sometimes he's down in the box in the linebacker. Sometimes he's on the line of scrimmage as an edge uh, rusher, you could say. Sometimes he's the deep safety, you know, in the middle of the field. It just gives the team so much versatility because so much of what happens in an NFL game is pre-snap read, pre-snap assessment. But then you also need the players who can, um, like Troy, Palomalo used to do, right? He'd start on the line of scrimmage, and before you know it, he was in that deep third intercepting the ball. You're like, yo, I just saw this guy over here in front of the tight end. How did he end up back there? And vice versa. You see Troy deep safety at the start of the play, and then you know by the end of the play, he's in the quarterback's lap. So we have a similar player in Jimmy Ward, right, who, who has not only for the purpose of uh, distracting an offense played every position in the secondary. This man literally started at outside corner. He started at nickel corner for the 49ers, and now he is starting at deep safety. So they mix it up. They have the ability to mix up their coverages so much, so many different ways. And other teams have done the same. Like I said, this isn't something that's new, but I do think it's an evolution. We're going to continue to see. You see the starting linebackers in Arizona with Simmons, Hicks, and Collins, all guys who can run, right? I look at a team like Buffalo with Edmonds uh, at the linebacker, who's a sleek end-to-end linebacker, right? Almost kind of looks like his brother, who's a safety. Um, I remember Los Angeles had Mark Barron, who was actually a safety at middle linebacker for a couple of years. We've seen players like Jimmy Graham in his heyday, right? Really push the envelope between what's a wide receiver and what's a tight end. So much so that that he 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 pushed for a wide receiver level contract because he felt like, yeah, he was a tight end, but he spent so much of his time away from the line of scrimmage out wide as a wide receiver running routes that he wanted to be paid at the level that a starting wide receiver wanted um, was. I don't think he won that arbitration situation but again definitely some foreshadowing there in the Jimmy Graham situation as to what was happening with the NFL again positions are overrated and I think the the 49ers and Shanahan just have a monopoly right on the type of multiples that they they have right now I think the epitome you know of what Shanahan is trying to do really showed itself these last two weeks I think Debo might actually be our best running back. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, You know, is Jawan Jennings like our best lead blocker since he's come into the into the fold with Sanu going out with the knee injury? He's really taken blocking in the run game to the next level. Is there a position that Kyle Juszczyk hasn't played on offense? He's he's taken snaps. He's lined up out wide. 
He's been in fullback. He's been on the end of the line. He's been in H back. You know, like I'm trying to think what I mean outside of maybe him snapping the ball is probably the only thing he hasn't done yet. So I'll wait for that. But the versatility, you know, is enormous. And I think more and more NFL teams will start to expand their horizons offensively. While I do feel, you know, just because of the fundamentals of the game and, and some of the rules, I think it's going to be hard for the offensive line position to kind of involve into like this positionless um, situation. So I think offensive line will remain pretty intact, but I really do feel like teams have a huge opportunity to create create a void in terms of skill positions, right? I think so much of what defenses do and kind of also what offenses do um, is that they, they, they use a player's position to, in so many ways, eliminate what he may or may not do through a process of elimination. So, you know, if he's a running back, if he's in the eye formation, well, there's a possibility he's going to get the handoff. It's also highly unlikely he's going to be running a deep route. Um, it's it's highly likely that he's probably going to be into block. Like there's just once you have someone in a position, especially if they play that position for, for several years, there's a, only a limited number of possibilities. You put a wide receiver out wide. Again, it's highly unlikely he's going to be getting the ball in a running play right? Unless you see him come in motion or there's an elaborate reverse coming around, which is something you've seen over the years, right? Where he's out wide, you get a reverse. But for the most part, he's going to be running a route. He's split out wide, depending on where he is from the hash marks. Well, more than likely, it's going to be an in-breaking route. If he's lined up tight, it's possible it's going to be an out-breaking route, you know? So like it allows defenses in so many ways to put players in boxes and it allows them to break down their role through a process of elimination. But, you know, with a player like Kittle in the slot, well, of course, he's a he's a passing threat, right? You have to account for George Kittle in the slot. But then he could also become a lead fullback type of weapon at the head of a bubble screen. Or he could be the guy catching the bubble screen, right? And then you have to tackle him out there in space. And he can can run over DBs. He can. He's faster than your linebackers. Uh, he can run by some safeties. Um, so what do you do? You know, do you do you try and cover him with the safety? Well, will that safety be able to hold up when George Kittle comes at him to block? And then the re receiver that the the receiver runs by, behind Kittle and takes off for thirty yards, like we've seen Debo do for so many times, because they put a safety out there on Kittle, and Kittle just annihilates the safety. Do you put a linebacker out there? Because obviously the linebacker is more stout of a player. He'll be able to handle the block. But then can he can he cover Kittle? You know, can he cut a, cover Kittle down the seam, running it out, running a quick slant? We've seen a linebacker struggle to do that. So positions are overrated. It puts so many players in turmoil the way that the 49ers run their offense. Debo is just the tip of the iceberg. Debo Samuel, right? You can see him catch screens and go. You see him line up in the eye and run the outside zone better than some of the running backs we have on our own team. But he blocks, right? He cracks linebackers and defensive ends. So like I said, positions are overrated. We broke the positions this past Sunday. We broke the NFL positions.
And what I mean by that, there was one play in particular, if you didn't get a chance to watch the game, you have to go check it out. All you, all you have to do is Google, I think I Googled 49ers, Jaguars, position or something like that, or create a play formation because it was a national story like instantly. Um, so I was able to find a still shot. I don't, I don't have it up here on the screen um, because I know this, this, this podcast goes to audio platforms and it'd be kind of useless for me to post a picture here during this video, but Google it. You can check out John Chapman on Twitter, which is where I found a still photo, but there's several other people, you know, with the photo. I actually saw the play live because I was watching the game and I was like, yo, like this formation is bananas. I saw a couple of things in the Rams game that was a little um, like, yeah, like Kyle's in his bag right now. But let me describe the play for you. So it's a goal line play and the breakdown goes as such. Debo, our wide receiver, is at running back in the eye, right? So at the top of the eye formation is our starting wide receiver. Well, our starting tight end is actually at fullback, right? Okay, so that's already like, all right, is Debo going to run a wheel route, right? Are we going to give the ball to Kittle on a dive? Because we're on the goal line. Kittle could certainly take the handoff and go on a dive, right? You'd have to account for that. Is Debo going to run a sweep out ride? You know, you have to account for that. You know, do you follow where Kittle goes? Because we run plays where where the lead blocker is Kittle, and we run plays where the lead blocker where the lead blocker goes in the opposite direction just as a distraction. So what do you do just with those two players set up in the position that they're at? But wait, there's more. Our fullback, our starting fullback, is now split out wide to the right side as a wide receiver. Now he's in tight, but he's still split out wide. And we've seen him run routes. Uh, we've seen him take advantage of linebackers. We've even seen him like box out safeties and defensive backs. So you have to account for Juice as a starting wide receiver, even though he's the fullback. He then also can come in and crack that defensive end. He then could also go in motion and be the lead blocker on a sweep with Debo. He could then also take the handoff on a jet sweep. So we got our fullback at the right wide receiver position. We have our starting wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk, actually in a three-point stance on the left side of the line in where a tight end would be, right next to the tackle. So you have Ayuk, who is, I don't want to say he's a huge dude, but he's a, he's a pretty decent-sized wide receiver. He's not one of these little scat-back kind of wide receivers. So again, he can block from that position. He can come, we, we've run an end around with Kittle, right? So he can come on the end around and we know Ayuk is, is, is great with the ball. He can run a route, you know, so do you put a safety down in the box to try and stop Ayuk on that route? Because again, we're on the goal line. He can run a quick out from that formation. And then next to Ayuk as the left wide receiver is our starting running back. Jeff Wilson, who again, is he gonna he can block, he can catch, he can run. So what does the defense do in that instance? And if you look at the still, <laughs> the timing of the still, we were we were in formation and Jimmy started the cadence. And you could see the defensive line was pretty much like, all right, 
I'm going to line up. But the linebackers in the secondary were basically still in the huddle. And you can see them like, all right, like, who has who? What like what do we do here? Um, and the still photo, I just looked at the still photo for at least an hour. Like, I just looked at that formation and I was like, wow, like, this is the future of the NFL. Right. And I, and it, and it, and it, I think what was, what was most impactful for me about it? Cause I don't, the gimmick, right. The gimmicky sort of play, the, the, the hope, hope to catch a team sleeping sort of gimmick is, is prevalent. You know, every team has their little throwback pass or whatever, but this didn't feel gimmicky. Like I really felt like we could run an entire drive in this formation and we could probably run the same plays we run when these players were in their, their original positions, right? We would still be able to run a fullback dive with Kittle at fullback or with juice check at fullback. We could still run a quick out with juice check at wide receiver or, or uh, Wilson at like all of these players have the ability to play the position that they're, in so many ways designated based on their number, based on, you know, the depth chart. But then do they have to stay in that position on the field? They don't. You know, what? what's to say that you can't put a tight end in the backfield? What's to say that you can't put a fullback at wide receiver if he's able to run routes like Juice Check runs routes? So it was just uh, an amazing piece of offensive work. Obviously, it was the Jaguars. I'm not, again, I'm not, super sold like oh we turn it around the season is saved you know i think this weekend is going to be a big test and it'll really tell me at least i don't i don't know about the rest of the media but it'll tell me what the 49ers are capable of but like i said the possibilities are endless and positions are overrated check it out coming to a team near you Positionless football is on the way, and it starts with the 49ers. My name is Malcolm May. This has been another episode of the Big Block Sports Podcast. Again, check out the next episode, episode B, for my week 12 NFL picks. Happy holidays, everyone. Big Block Sports. We out.